0: Welcome to Scoop News Group's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Google Cloud. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about how cloud and artificial intelligence-enabled tools are advancing research, collaboration, and mission activities in public health. Our guest today is Dr. Alexander Titus, Strategy Leader for Health and Life Sciences at Google Cloud. Alexander has built his career at the intersection of emerging technology and public Service. Prior to working with Google, Alexander had strategy roles around data science and artificial intelligence at McKinsey & Company, the U.S. Department of Defense, and BioFab USA. He's also the founder of Bioeconomy XYZ, an online biotechnology publication. Alexander, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Wyatt. I'm glad to be here. Well, to start, the COVID-19 pandemic has underscored the need for improved collaboration and response time during crises. What are some of the biggest challenges that you saw public health leaders struggle with?
1: I think that we are currently going through one of the most unprecedented public health challenges any public health leader has ever been through, any of us have ever lived through. And it's shown some amazing strengths and some amazing challenges. I think that collaboration across science has always been pretty strong, but this has really shown us some of the strengths around how fast we can collaborate with science. So. For a little bit of side sci-fi nerddom, I'm really into Star Trek and, you know, everyone teleports in Star Trek. And I think that the closest thing we have to modern teleportation is actually what we see when we take and sequence a virus that, say, is found in China, put it on the Internet, email it to someone, and then be able to synthesize and start developing drugs with that. So we can actually take and transport biological information around the world to start doing research to develop responses to these in a matter of days. But one of the challenges that we're seeing is that technology is only as good as as your ability to use it in a crisis, and public health leaders really want to be able to make data-driven decisions. But when there's a sudden influx in so many people who need information, so many constituents from communities who really need support in whatever way they individually need it, all of a sudden, IT systems and public health departments are overloaded with requests people asking questions, people calling in, people trying to look for more information. And if that information is not organized in a way that helps provide good, actionable data in real time to public health leaders, then that makes it challenging to make those data-driven policy decisions. And of course, everyone wants to be able to do that. And then the people on the front lines really need the tools that help their workflow rather than stumbling through new technology in the midst of, of really having a big need at the time.
0: Well, what roadblocks are IT leaders struggling with as they try to modernize public health systems as you see it?
1: One of the challenges is that public health is a field that is really rich in the kind of culture of in-person care, right, the the human element of care and, and providing that kind of public benefit is really an important need. And so all of a sudden, when we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're all quarantined and we're no longer able to be face-to-face, canvassers can't go out and speak in their communities about public health issues and how to be safe. All of a sudden, IT is getting overwhelmed because of the need for digital. And so that collaborative nature between IT and public health leaders, while it's always been there. Um, It's never been more important than when we're all working remotely with telehealth and trying to answer calls constantly. And so combining IT with a very specific public health outcome is really front and center now. And Framing the need for technology and the messaging around that kind of technology specifically for a mission outcome is really how you start to see leadership buy-in to be able to make investments in IT and in other kinds of technologies that really help the process. And ultimately, it comes down to empathy for that end user, whether it's the public health official who is providing care. Is it someone on staff who's answering the phone or someone who's trying to actually roll out technology, even the actual implementers of the technology. You know, standing up technology in the middle of crisis is not easy. So being able to have that back and forth is really important and is challenging if it's historically not done at the kind of scale we're seeing it today.
0: Well, can you share some examples of how organizations have modernized their public health response over the past year or so?
1: Yeah, we've seen a lot of phenomenal uh, progress in the technology space with public health. One of the big things that we have been working on here at Google is what we call our Intelligent Vaccine Impact Solution, or IVIS. IVIS is really a three-part solution. It first, predicts and forecasts where COVID cases are going. And second, understand how the public is perceiving public health initiatives. What's the level of vaccine confidence in the community? And then the third is actually scheduling and coordinating that delivery. And so if you think of each of these independently, and then together as a system, it's where is the need going to be with forecasting, who is really needing it with deeply understanding the constituent, and then how do you deliver that public health. And we've seen a number of states and cities across the U.S. and a number of countries across the world really leaning in to being able to use this kind of new way of predicting where we're going to need it and actually build in the ability to do data-driven policy decisions, as I was mentioning before. So the forecasting that we've built has the ability to say, so what happens if I have a mask mandate, but I open schools? What are cases going to look like over the next month in my county or in my state? And that ability to give data-driven insights into the policy decisions that are under consideration has been really powerful. And then on the sentiment side, the ability to really deeply understand communities and constituents and how they're perceiving public health, public health leaders are using that to lean in and actually make much more effective targeting of public health messaging. So if one community is more excited about vaccines, then it's good to tell them all the great ways that they can get vaccinated. If another community is more hesitant about vaccines, then it's good to educate more effectively and more directly about the real kind of pros of being vaccinated. And then the the third part is that last inch delivery, as I often call it, where we spend a lot of time thinking about the logistics of getting vaccines to clinics, but then just the challenge of scheduling your first and second dose, and remembering which dose you received, if you received a Pfizer or Moderna or J&J, and then coordinating all of that. That's how we've seen a lot of public health officials using these kinds of technologies to modernize their IT approach, their technology approach to public health. And it's been going quite well where we're seeing it happen.
0: Well, Alexander, do you foresee technological capabilities like virtual agents and telehealth tools making health services more effective?
1: Absolutely. Like I've been talking about, we've been seeing it happen with public health delivery, but Oftentimes, I talk to people about how technology can really actually provide more of the human experience to healthcare delivery. Let me explain that a little bit. People often are concerned that AI or automation or technology in general is going to start taking the kind of personalization, the human element out of government services, whether it's in uh, the DMV or in healthcare delivery. But what we're seeing, particularly now with the pandemic, is take telehealth, for example. When people are trapped at home, quarantined, they can't see their friends, their family, actually being able to talk face-to-face to your provider, rather than just over the phone, where you can see the smile, you can read the the cues like we do so well when we're, when we're having conversations, that helps add that human element into that service. And then something like a virtual agent, again, for example, when everyone's trying to find out if they're eligible for vaccines and where they can get vaccinated. If 80%, I'm making up this number, but say 80% of common questions are pretty standard, you know, calling in and saying, where is the nearest vaccine clinic? Or am I in the phase that's eligible for vaccines? Or what are the most common side effects for vaccines? These kind of questions where you know the majority of people will have those questions and the majority of those questions can be answered with kind of a standardized automated virtual agent, if you will. But then that allows the people who call in and say, I'm really concerned about X, Y, and Z about my family and my family's unique situation and my unique health situation. I'd really love to get some advice from a public health person that then allows the limited staff resources that are in these public health departments to spend time, whether it's over virtual call or over the phone or over video, actually having those conversations rather than being inundated with answering questions that could be answered with a pretty standard FAQ. So this is a couple examples of how healthcare delivery is scaling at a rate that we've never seen before. And then we're having that human element, that I can speak for myself, so desperately look for after spending a year quarantined and working from home. And we all find ourselves in this situation.
0: Lastly, Alexander, what recommendations would you give to government IT and public health leaders who want to improve how they serve the mission, but maybe don't know where to get started?
1: I think that first and foremost, it's starting with that kind of mission outcome. Because technology is really supposed to be used for a specific purpose, rather than just for technology's sake. You know, I'm a technologist, and I love all things technology. But, but when you actually use it for a very specific need to drive an outcome that provides benefit to someone, that is the place to start. And then once you've identified that and walking through the process, it really helps to find that kind of initial pilot to start with. I'll give you an example. When talking about vaccine solution, where the ability to coordinate and answer questions and coordinate vaccinations for members of a community, the first kind of MVP, if you will, the minimum viable product is standing up an information portal that is resilient and robust. So you can have a thousand or thousands of new people going to that website to ask questions and to read information. But that's a simple website. And then once that's successful, you say, all right, we're starting to see people send emails to us asking the same questions over and over again. So then you think about what about an intelligent virtual agent on the front page of our website that can answer people's questions and will help reduce the number of emails that we're getting. So we can focus on the higher priority ones. And then you start to see that, but you still you realize that you're still having a hard time reaching people who might have poor access to internet. So then you think, okay, how about we think about a virtual call center, an automated call center where we can answer some of these questions so people without internet can call in. And so you start building up these individual, very specific needs that are driven by the needs of your community or your constituents. But you can show that technology win and how well that is serving that kind of goal in public health. And eventually, You know, as you build up in these prototypes and successes, you could envision a time where you have a fully implemented vaccine management solution where people are scheduling all of their appointments, there's automated follow ups, there's the ability to do QR codes and all these other great aspects, but you don't necessarily have to start with the whole thing all at once. So this is just a very specific example, but you could think of this in a number of different use cases, different audiences, different environments where you want to have different delivery, whether it's traffic safety or pandemic response or whatever the public focus is of the organization. And then you take that and you scale it up. And that really helps a lot when you're thinking of how to start tackling technology implementation in an organization.
0: Well, those are some great examples and appreciate the recommendations as well. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today, though. Alexander Titus, thank you so much for joining us to talk about modernizing research and collaboration in public health. Thanks. It was great to be here. And thanks to Google Cloud for underwriting today's episode. Look for more from our IT Modernization in Government series on fedscoop.com and statescoop.com and our FedScoop and Statescoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.